Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, a podcast where we introduce the new head football coach. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. And man, I thought Spencer was about to introduce Matt Wells with that uh, introduction, and I was thinking, what a get! How did man, you? How if, did you get him on the phone? He was sitting here next. I know that would have been something, but um. Yeah, this is 8.51, Thursday night, November 29th. We are about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so after the official announcement that Matt Wells will be the 16th head coach at Texas Tech, um, formerly of Utah State. If you're not familiar with him now, you probably should be, and you're probably not real happy about this. But we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk about um, what he brings to the table briefly. There's going to be so much to cover with staking the plane, so be sure that you stay tuned over there to read everything from from Seth. And then uh, Keith and Brian are putting together an in-depth, deep-dive look at him. So be sure to check that out when it comes out. But first and foremost, Michael, I want to get your... Your instant reaction. Okay. What's uh, what's your your reaction okay. to Matt Wells, my, head coach? My instant reaction, I, I have to go back to what I said when we recorded Tuesday night. And I'm pretty sure the exact words were said that if, if we hired Matt Wells, I'd be fine with it. I'm still kind of there. But I would like to walk you through this scenario. Uh, let's say you're playing, you're the underdog in a game. You're on the road. Uh, you're a 13-point, 17-point dog. And it looks like there's no way you're going to win, and you've kind of resigned yourself. Ah, we're not going to win this game. But you watch it anyway because you support your team. You're fine with not winning. Then you get a couple of stops a few big plays, some things just kind of go the right way for you. And the next thing you know, you're right in the game with three minutes left, and then you lose by three to a field goal. Now, if if that happens, are you still like, well, hey, you know, I thought we were going to lose anyway, so it's great that we we just about got there. Or are you just completely frustrated and disappointed that you didn't come out with the win? Yeah, and, and I'm all I'm taking we, all this I'm taking all this back to I I mean Matt Wells is our official head coach. I'm not going to just come up come on here and dog him and say awful things about him. 
but I'll, I'll still say that Dana Holgerson was my first choice, and it seems like we had a chance to pursue that, and it looked like it really might happen. And then in the last second, it, it didn't. So that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, the the scenario you described is very similar to a lot of Texas Tech football games. So in reality, we should be used to this kind of thing. It should be a very, <laughs> Unfortunately. very familiar situation for us all. Right. And I, I tweeted this out this morning and that little ranty thread I put out there, but it felt like this coaching search was nothing but like the roller coaster ride was nothing but downhill and not like downhill as we're like speeding up and then we're excited with all that kind of stuff. Downhill as in you start off with some pretty exciting candidates, right? Early on was like, we hear um, Dana Holgerson is a front runner. And then we get some rumors, whether or not they're true. I mean, I don't know. Cause he never came out and said he wasn't interested, but rumors that Bob Stoops was, was in the mix. Um, so you go from Bob Stoops and like, Oh no, that's, we're going to focus on, on Dana Holgerson. And it seemed like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was Dana Holgerson's the guy, Dana Holgerson's the guy. We're just working it out. And then this morning it was, Pump the brakes, everybody. It's that dude from Utah State. And that's almost a direct quote, right? That dude, that guy. Because nobody was really familiar with Matt Wells. Um, at least not that much as of this morning. And then I think the biggest thing that got me, right, was the the revelation or the, um, what do you want to call it, when it came out that, Holcutt had actually declined to interview Holgerson. That's when it really kind of set me off because it was like every day we're like, we're getting closer and closer to hiring Holgerson. We're, we're all really excited about it. And then it was like, it got to the time, you know, to go through the formality of having an interview and Holgerson passes, not Holgerson, Holcutt passes on it and actually declines it. We're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what's, what? What's going on? Did you hear how that interview was supposedly set up? Yeah, I'd actually heard that the um, Double Eagle guys were in, in contact with Holgerson. They basically set up the meeting in, again, this is all speculation, in Atlanta and said, hey, Hookup, we, uh, we, you've got this, this opportunity for you to interview with Holgerson. He's interested in the job. He wants it. And I think they made those same kind of offers that were reported when they were trying to get Leach and said, Hey, we'll help cover, um, some buyout money. We'll help, uh, you know, put some money towards the athletic department construction, everything that's going on. Um, but I think at that point, Hookett had already made up his mind that he was going to pursue Wells either that, or he didn't like to be told what to do. And he said, nah, man, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, that's basically what I had read and heard through all the grapevine stuff too. And, you know, I kind of railed on that when supposedly that was the push Tuesday that these same guys were really trying to force Hokut's hand and have him meet with Leach. So I still kind of stand by that. I, I respect Hokut's intent on trying not to be under the thumb of someone. Uh, but since this was the guy I really wanted hired – I'm very conflicted about it now. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I respect them for for not letting somebody else tell them what to do. Oh yeah, because it's not their job. But like you, Hookup was a guy that I wanted. Sorry, Holgerson. I I'm gonna mess both of those names up. Um. So yeah, I was I was really frustrated this morning. It was probably the first time, like I I'd either been like, that was the strongest I'd felt in this whole coaching search, right? I was excited. I think so too. Uh, you know, thinking about Bob Stoops or Holgerson. But it was it paled in comparison to how frustrated I was this morning when I saw that Hokut was like, no, we're not even going to interview him. So there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you coming? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Yeah, Matt Wells, um, I guess yesterday or today, I can't remember what it was, named Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year for the second time. Only a small group of guys have done that. I guess that's a cool thing. Not if you ask Brian, though. He's not. <laughs> he's probably on the going to take some convincing about this hire. Um, you know, Wells this year has led Utah State to a ten and two record, uh, ranked in the top twenty five. There will be an official. Sorry, a formal introductory news conference Saturday morning at 11 at the United Supermarkets Arena, and it will be open to the public. It will also be streamed online at TexasTech.tv. Okay, that'll be good. I think I've been to one of these coaches' introductory press conferences, and it was for Billy Gillespie. And that he, he made a really funny joke at the expense of the Aggies at the point, which I, I, at that time... I thought it was really funny. Um, he was he mentioned how they uh, how they loved sheep down there. And of course, oh, there gosh. were a lot of jokes at that time about how A and M people were. I don't even know like the correct word fornicating. <laughs> oh, that's terrible! Yeah, why, why are we talking about this? Okay, anyways, we're not. We're I'm not. not. We're talking, talking about, about Matt Wells. Not. Not related to this at all. Those are the wrong I'm, Aggies. I'm sorry, we went we went down this uh, <laughs> this, this no, tangent. Don't drag me with you. <laughs> um, now, uh, I I I did. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this too before we kind of dive into a little bit more of of uh, Wells' recent tenure at Utah State. What are your thoughts on the the um, I trust Kirby crowd. Well, I see it. Or going, I should like, say this. I should say I blindly trust Kirby crowd because I do trust him. 
but that doesn't mean that I'm going to not question or maybe have a differ of opinion on things. And I don't think that's wrong. The blind faith, blind trust people, regardless if it's Hokut or whatever, um, they, they bug me, right? That's not something... Just because he is in the position to make these decisions doesn't mean that everything he does is 100% perfect. Yeah, and that's... So that's. I think it's perfectly okay to for people to be concerned or anxious about this hire and to question what Hokut was doing, why other candidates weren't weren't interviewed. I think the only other person we've had confirmed got an interview was Jim Levitt. And apparently Levitt bombed the interview. It was terrible. Past that, we heard Holgerson was interested. A couple other guys were interested that never got interviewed. So he interviewed two people, hired one of them, I, it's so right to, to your point. I, I it's okay to question Hokut with this decision, right? And we're going to be questioning it for a long time because we won't see this football team until you know what six months from now for in the spring spring game that type of thing, and then we won't really see them for you know another oh what's that ten months from now. When the 2019 yeah. football season starts, pretty much. So there's going to be a long time to to think about this, to draw up criticism or questions or concerns. I mean, there's also a long time to kind of put those to bed and just get behind them. But I just don't see that happening with the people that were so emotionally invested in this process. I I wanted to bring up just kind of. I look at it this way. I trust Kirby almost in the same way that I trust my doctor. You know, my doctor sure. my doctor knows a lot more than me. Uh, he knows the in and outs of, of things that I never will. And uh, he's someone that I should defer to on a lot of things. But if he per- prescribes something to me that I have an issue with or a question with, I mean, there's no reason why I can't take that up with him and just discuss it. It's just kind of the same, the same deal. I, I completely admit that Mr. Hokut is way, way above and beyond into this stratosphere of finding a coach and what it takes to do that and connections and how to interact and how to contact people and uh, when to turn things down and when to really ramp things up. So I, I fully believe that, but there's still, there's still aspects of it we can question, and that doesn't make you a bad fan. I don't think Hokut would expect people to be completely on board with every decision he makes either, and that puts a heck of a lot of pressure on him too. He's allowed to mess up, just like we are. But uh, I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I think we're on the same page there. It just... You know, questioning a couple of things of, of how this led to this point doesn't mean that we're calling for a Hokut's head or anything crazy like that. By gosh, no. He's he's been great uh, overall for sure. He's he's had some home run hires for us in quite a few programs. So I'm not I'm not even close to 
that camp. But it is just kind of worth mentioning, hey, we can we can bring up some points if we have uh, something worth bringing up. And I, at the same point, I, I think we should, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to talk about Wells as objectively as, as I can because he is our coach now. And I don't want to just completely uh you know soil the man's name and he's and you know he's our he's our coach he hasn't coached a game for us we don't know we don't have anything to be upset with him about right now at this moment at all so that's that's kind of where my head is on that and just try to be as objective and logical as i can on it yeah let's um let's talk a little bit about why Wells is in this position to be hired at Texas Tech. All right. Um, his teams, uh, I'm going to go off of recent success because that's what we have available. And I, I don't have the time to look into, you know, everybody will talk about his his fluctuating record at Utah State, right? He took over a team from Gary Anderson that had won 11 games. They won nine games. And it slid down two consecutive years until he won three games, and then he ramped it back up, and they won ten games again this year. We're going to talk about this past year, this current year, because that's why he's in the position he's in. And I didn't have time to look at possible reasons why there was that that dip. Right. Is that acceptable to you? Michael? Yes. Yes. I mean, is I think okay this you? is just kind of more <laughs> of a, a an overall an overall view. It's an instant reaction. Yes. With, with a couple minutes of research. Yeah. So this year, their offense, the Utah State Aggie offense, trails only Oklahoma and Alabama in terms of points per game. They put up 47 points, which is, you know, kind of a lot, regardless of uh, de- or conference affiliation. Yes. Um. If you if you look, you know, really briefly into um, their S and P rankings, you may be surprised to know that overall offense and defense, Utah State ranks way ahead of Texas Tech. Basically, everything you might not have expected that. Which you know, you think you can take a little bit from that because uh, the S and P rankings, the plus rankings, are supposed to be. Um, Weighted, weighted sort of. and balanced for opponents, right? So they're saying, on even playing field all the way across, which is impossible. This is how everything would stack up, right? So overall, um, Utah State ranks. Oh, I shouldn't have scrolled. There it is. Oh, I'm so I'm I'm butchering this so bad because it's whatever offense. Is 21st, whereas the Texas Tech offense is 26th. Um, the Utah State defense, which was significantly better, defense S&P Plus was 36th, whereas Texas Tech was, what, in the 90s? Yeah, I think it was 91st. 91st. Yeah, there we go. That's a big difference. The The big thing with the, um, with the defense is that they forced a ton of tur- of turnovers. Excuse me. Um, they 
had 18 interceptions and 10 fumble recoveries. So that the 28 takeaways ranks third nationally. Their turnover margin of plus 11 is eighth nationally. And they have six defensive scores. Is that that's got to be is that first? I wonder how many second. That's second in defensive scores. Mhm. Yeah, that seems awfully high. And for those saying yeah, so what that's at Utah State. It's reported, it's obviously early, that Wells is going to bring the majority of his current staff with him, including the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Um, I think I'm most excited about David Yost, the offensive coordinator. He's had some time at Missouri, Washington State. He was at Oregon for a little while. Dude has just a ridiculous offense. It's a lot of fun. It is a spread, single-back base system. Um, there, there's an article where it's talking about, it's talking with one of the Utah State sports writers, and he says, you know, it's probably going to be about a 60-40 split, uh, sorry, pass to rush. Um, but Utah State puts up a ton of yards and a ton of points. Yeah, that, that sounds exactly right. And an article I referenced by Alan Corbin on Hyatt's The Raiderland I'm going back to that one. He wrote about Matt Wells early this week, and then I think wrote a second article about it on the same site. But anyway, he mentioned that Utah State is 20th in the country in passing offense at 288 yards per game and are 35th in rushing offense at 203 yards per game. Mm-hmm. That's, That's It's 60-40. That's almost exactly what you said right there. And that, that jives really well with, you know, what Tech's trying to build, where they're trying to go. Uh, I think if if our O line had been a little bit, a little bit stronger towards the end of the year, we still would have seen a lot of that because we were pretty balanced those first five or six games, getting uh, getting a lot of yards on the ground and of course through the air, as normal. Uh, I, I'm. You know, Yost is a guy that kind of excites me. I do really enjoy his hairstyle. It's fantastic. Oh, it's one of the best. It's I'm, not being, the I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, I'm not being sarcastic <laughs> in the least. It's great. I think it's a it's a it's definitely shows that the guy has personality and that's gonna fit in well here and that's gonna fit in well with our fan base. And you know, I'm saying this is a very bald man, so I you know, all hair is interesting to me. <laughs> See, I, I, was, I was trying to look up, um, I guess, their per-game stats. I don't have it in front of me, but I think you said it was, what, like 294? That's 288 passed. passing and 203 rushing. Okay. Which, so they're putting up 500 yards are, offense just about every game. Yeah, so that, that passing number being, you know, in the starting with a two may make people kind of recoil a little bit, but when you're putting up 500 yards and 47 points, I think you're going to be okay with that. Yep. And this is, again, this is with Utah State, Mountain West um, recruits and competition. But you would think, you know, when he steps up to Texas Tech and, and can recruit Texas, that 
a lot of that should translate. I don't. I mean, obviously, you, you can't project that with any kind of certainty, but the the players will be better um, here than, than they were at Utah State, and then the defense will be better. So you would think it would kind of even out. The defense for Utah State, which I think is going to be the interesting thing to see what happens with, is if Coach Wells indeed brings his defensive coordinator, Keith Patterson, there will be a slight change to the defensive scheme at Texas Tech. Um, when Coach Wells took over for Gary Anderson, they were running a 3-4 defense. Um, under Patterson, it kind of changed a little bit, shifted to a 3-3-5, which I think is where we've seen some of the more successful defenses stopping the spread. The 3-3-5 is, a, is pretty similar to what both Iowa State and West Virginia run. I think, without doing a whole lot of research um, just yet, I think the, the players are in place at Texas Tech where this isn't going to be a huge shift, right? You're not, you're not moving to a 3-4 and asking your defensive lineman to do something completely different. So I think the three three five, if it's if it's not the traditional like three three five stack, um, you're gonna have the same almost a four man front every play like you do now with Texas Tech with one of those linebackers being a rush uh, or, or coverage guy like we saw with Tony Jones and oh who else played on that side with him. Oh, I can't. Uh, I, my mind's already gone blank. I'm blank on from I, this past me. year. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the uh, the staff shakes out and who all from Texas Tech is retained, if anybody. There are some some thoughts on the Utah State side. There are a couple guys that are pretty well established in that area that that have families that don't want to move including a, a wide receivers coach, which if you look at Texas Tech, and this is a, you know assuming that Emmett Jones wants the job, Emmett Jones is one of your better recruiters, and he recruits the heck out of the, out of the Metroplex area. Agreed, yeah. And if the Utah State wide receiver coach isn't coming, Emmett Jones, there, there, there would be an opportunity for Jones to stay on. Which, which would be in Tech's favor if he, if he wants to stick around. I believe that. Right. I believe that for sure. The other thing I think we've we've seen more uh, more for sure is that the strength and con- conditioning coach, the strength and conditioning staff will not be retained by Coach Wells. Right. So Rusty Witt, uh, Scott Salwasser, and that group will likely be mo- moving on. Yeah, and, and that hurts, but it's something that you have to be prepared to let go once the word comes down that your head coach is gone. And it it's, right. it, just, it still hurts. The... It still hurts though, because I, I really liked Wit, and he was a guy that just had a great vibe to him, and I think he he really uh, communicated well with the players and. Um, I'm anxious to see where he goes to. He's going to be great. I'm I'm going to miss him quite a bit.
I'm like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all shakes out. I think now with the head coach in, in place and with him being fairly um, – I, I, I don't know how to – I wouldn't say insistent, but with him being committed to his staff and bringing them with him, I think that could be a, a pretty easy transition that it won't be drawn out where, you know, you're going to coaching conferences and, you know, drawing out like, okay, I need to make a one assistant hire that takes three weeks. Right, right. It could... I would assume this gets wrapped up pretty quickly. Yeah. If he's bringing most of his staff with him, that, which that's... will allow them to get on the, on the recruiting trail. Not that I think this was rushed to get that done in time, but it doesn't hurt that they still have two, three weeks to, to recruit the Texas Tech. Yeah, and and one of the knocks on Kingsbury was always his initial coordinator hires, his initial coaching hires. Uh, you won't have to worry about that with with Wells here, especially if he brings his top two guys with him. That's huge. He, he can probably those are the guys he probably leans on the most. I'm just completely speculating. There may be another coach on that staff that he really throws ideas off of that that we're not mentioning, but bringing in your OC and DC as has been reported by, well, I think it's one of the Utah papers really gives him a leg up uh, just coming in with guys that he knows and trusts and is comfortable with on both sides of the ball. They can get some assistance to fill in spots as they need to. The, you know, the next thing to approach will be, you know, Kingsbury was making, I think three and a half million a year. I'm, I'm not sure if they'll, pony up that much for Wells or not but they could uh, you know and if they do they'll probably have to up the assistant coaching pool again and I'd, I'm not sure maybe maybe they get by with paying him less maybe he gets maybe gets into the twos uh, with this being his intro job and that could that could already leave some room there uh, on top of the four that you've still got to pay Kingsbury but I, I think it's it's a better start than hiring one guy who then has to completely build a staff around himself. Uh, you, you're essentially hiring three guys off the bat and can go from there. Yeah, it, it, when you talk about his salary, uh, this is I'm looking at 2017 numbers, but quickly it just says his guaranteed pay for 2017, his base compensation was 850000 yeah, and there were some incentives like there's a retention bonus uh, that he would have met uh, last December of another two hundred thousand national title bonus, uh, playoff appearances, conference title. I don't think he's he's reached any of these. Oh, there's a, a coach of the award, sorry, coach of the year award for conference, um, national poll bonuses. But when you consider all that, I mean, he's making less than a million at uh, Utah State. Not that you were looking to save money, although I think we can agree Kingsbury was pretty well paid for for his position. You're going to be able to cut way back on your expenditures for the salary, right? You're not paying him $4 million, likely. Um, you could double his salary 
at two million and still have lots of money for coordinators if you need to lure David Yost away from other opportunities or Patterson or whatever. Um, because we, we've seen in the past, and this is something that Seth said earlier, that you really do get what you pay for with coordinators and assistant coaches. So if there's a hire that needs to be made, you need to have that money available. And I think being able to have a contract with Coach Wells not in the $4 million range like we were saw with Coach Kingsbury is going to allow for that to happen. Right. We don't know any specifics yet. I'm sure that will come out um, soon. I mean, I wouldn't expect it tonight or even before Saturday with the uh, the press conference. But um, before we we wrap up, Mike, I want to get your, your take on this real quick. A lot of people are, like, like we've touched on, concerned um, and anxious about this hire. And I think this is Kirby Hocutt looking for the next big thing as a coach, right? He's looking for his version of Matt Campbell. Yeah, I could Where, see that. How do you... How do you? How long do you think it would take before you can start making that kind of assessment on is Matt Wells going to work out for Texas Tech? Is he a good coach for Tech? I, I think you have to give the guy a minimum of three years. That's just kind of where so my head is. He doesn't get the seven years that Kingsbury got in your <laughs> mind? <laughs> yeah, as, as I've mentioned, uh, Kingsbury did get seven years in my head the second he was hired. That was more of a heart thing. No, uh, but no, I, I, I think three years is, is fair and a, a bare minimum. And, and that doesn't mean that after three years – I, we won't be conflicted and go, man, I don't, you know, maybe we should give him a fourth one or maybe it's not, you know, you might be kind of on the fence either way. Who knows? Uh, after three years, you may think, wow, what a home run hire. I mean, there's, I, this has just turned out unbelievably well for, for tech. Uh, but I think that's just kind of where you start. You've got to start there. Uh, you've got to get some recruits committed to the program and, you know, you've got to try to retain the guys you have as, as best as you can. Uh, so I that that's kind of where I stand on it. And that doesn't mean that, oh, in three years he'll be done. It's just, no, that's that's kind of the minimum that I feel like a coach should really uh, be judged for. What do you think? I would probably lean a little bit more than three years. Okay. Especially if there's like a shift in, in – well – a big enough shift in any kind of system, offense or defense, where you need to be replacing players, right? Um, but no, I, I don't think it's going to take six years to do it. It may take four, maybe five. Yeah. But I, I, I think five is going to be like the max. Like, if you don't know by five, then, well, no, you shouldn't absolutely know by five. Yeah, I, um, and and I could totally see four or five. I was just saying that three is the bare minimum. That's when you sure. That's when you can start talking about, hey, I don't, I'm not, or I mean, you could start talking about it whenever you want. You could start talking about if he's the right coach for Tech after the first drive, if you want to. But I, I just think three years to to get to serious firing extension 
all that all that kind of talk you you've got to give the guy that that much and i know that that's probably really not even that long no so you mentioned something you said um you know, hang on to your guys i want to touch on this really quickly and then we have got a couple questions from twitter i want to get to um obviously so early on we haven't seen any defections in terms of current players or recruits yet there were some rumors that with Kingsbury potentially being hired as the offensive coordinator at USC, which has kind of been put on hold. It's not actually final yet, but that, you know, your quarterback commit for this class, uh, Maverick MacGyver may follow him. So I think USC was his number two school. So it makes sense for him to, to flip. Um, that'd be something to keep your eye on. You know, what, what players are going to going to stick with them in terms of like the recruiting class where guys think they'll fit in in the offense moving forward that are already here, and if they think they need to move elsewhere. Um, don't be surprised if you lose a lot of your, your recruiting class, if you lose a couple of key guys you know that are already here. Um, it, it may be a rough offseason. Yeah, it, it's going to be – you'll, you'll, have, you'll have turnover. I mean, that that's part of it, but I – let, let's try not to blame Wells as much as we possibly can. Uh, it's just right. that's just the nature of it. You have guys that committed to a different guy, a different a different program, a different style of program. You know, there's just no way it's going to be the same. And these are young men just trying to make the best decision for them and for their families. So it, there's there's definitely going to be some turnover, and we've got to just you know take our take our punches when we have and and roll with it best we can. Yeah. All right. So Jazz on Twitter asks, so how fractured is a fan base now? Uh, I think if you're looking at like currently uh, November 29th, 2018, I'd say pretty fractured because there were a lot of people that bought into the leech rumors, hook, line, and sinker, right? They were, it's got to be leech or I'm never watching tech football again. Right, there were a couple that were on that same kind of level with Art Bryles, and for the life of me, I don't un- understand either one of those camps. Leach was never coming back. You should never be considering Bryles for anything. A lot of people that I think were more reasonable were looking for Holgerson, like you and I, or Venables, or whatever. See this as a very underwhelming hire, and it's going to take some um, convincing, right? Right. They're not ready. They're not going to be on board the the Matt Wells train. Um, so I, I I think you've got like you probably have three distinct factions in your fan group right now, which may be difficult to overcome. With I mean it, it may just take winning a bunch of games for that to happen. So it's I think currently it's pretty fractured. What what about you, Michael? I think it is too, but it can only get better from here. I I think we have we've got a lot of time to dwell on this and argue back and forth if if it's the right guy. But I I think when it just comes down to it, and it's uh, you know August, and official practices have started, everyone's just going to be 
kind of right back in it, and they're going to be excited about the Red Raiders, and they're going to be uh, ready to head to the Jones. Uh, I'm not going to say in droves or anything. I'm, I'm not seeing a huge spike in ticket prices at this point. Part of that is because of the schedule, because odd numbers are, our odd years are pretty, pretty rough here in Lubbock for scheduling. But uh, I, I think there, you're right. There are three different factions, but it's not as divisive as it sounds. I think there's going to be some folks come around to it, and hey, if he wins, everyone's going to come around to it. It's that easy. It's not easy. You know what I mean? It's that simple, I guess. Well, I just think if he's successful, especially early on, it'd be like, well, that's because Kingsbury was going to be successful in 2019. Yeah, um, you, you could you could make that argument, and I'm going to really try hard not to uh, because I really did like Kingsbury, although I we've, we've gone through all that. But, yeah. I, but that's not fair to, to Wells either. You, you know, no. if... if, if Bowman sticks around and Bowman has a great year. They're still calling the plays. They're still coaching the linemen. They're still coaching the the receivers. It's they're they're designing the plays. I mean, it's not like it's not like everything is being done uh, the exact same way Kingsbury did it um, with with the same players. So that we've got to leave ourselves op- open to that, optimistic to that, and know that Wells will. He'll run a different program. There'll be guys that'll come and go. There'll be fans that will be kind of torn one way or another. But I really think once it comes back around to to August, uh, there'll be a little bit more excitement than yeah. than than what you're seeing right now. And I, and I hope the fans can can try to be respectful to the guy who is our current head football coach, uh, the guy that hasn't even coached a game yet. We've got to we've got to give him a shot and just see how it goes. Yeah, and, and to that point, I wanted to bring up one more thing before we wrap up tonight. Kyle Lang, um, he, he wasn't quoting anybody specifically, just more of a, uh, you know, taking the pulse of the the media with this hire, and he was saying, it seems like a lot of people who follow college football on a national and Texas level really like this hire, and that hopefully it'll be as big of a home run as the talking heads say it is. So if you need some help convincing that Matt Wells is the right guy, there are a lot of people out there that do this for a living that say Wells and this hire are going to be really good for Texas Tech. Yeah, Stuart Mandel, who a lot of people really value his opinion, and including my friend Adam, he sent it to me as well as <laughs> I think Keith sent it to me in our Slack chat too, but he's he tweeted uh, – in reference to this hire, he says, "Our first home run coaching hire this cycle. Well done, Tech." I, I mean, there's there's apparently a lot of upside to this. Uh, if we don't see it right now, it doesn't mean that we won't in the future. And hey, guns up as always. Right. right. So we will we will reconvene. Um, with our normal setup, our normal microphones, our great audio quality. We'll return next week. We just need to get together, knock this out really quickly. As Texas Tech announces Matt Wells as the new head football coach, 
For Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us tonight. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.